This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey there, it's Kate. This week on the podcast, I'm giving myself a breather and giving you a chance to catch up on episodes you may have missed by doing an interview review. I've chosen five interviews to re-air this week, and they are five of my faves that if you missed the first time, you really need to hear. And if you already heard it, I believe might have something new in them now that some time has passed. In today's interview, Raquel Ellison normalizes how hard this pandemic has been on moms and gives us some hope for the future of work and motherhood. I'll be back with new episodes next week. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this interview review and find something in here that helps. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi, this is Kate, and you're listening to the How to Be a Better Person podcast. This week's theme is, well, that sucks. After all, I devoted two weeks to keeping the best of the quarantine and really taking a look at the positive things that have come out of this nutty, nutty time in our history. But if you only focus on the positive without at least acknowledging the negative, you're deluding yourself. So this week, let's get real about the challenges of this time. Today's big idea is that yes, kids benefit from school, camps, and childcare, but so do moms. Because having their kids cared for somewhere else means they have time to do the things, all the things that they need to do. Work, take care of themselves, manage the household, etc., etc., etc. Now that kids are home pretty much all the time, there's been a lot of coverage in the media about how women are bearing the brunt of taking care of kids while schools, daycares, and now camps are shut down. Cheryl Sandberg of Facebook and the book Lean In calls it the double-double shift. I want to take a look at the reality of this and not just what the headlines say. In my household, some things about our division of labor between me and my husband haven't changed all that much. I still walk the dog during the day and he walks her at night, for example. I cook, he does the dishes. But I am definitely helping out with homeschooling more. He says the kids can figure stuff out for themselves. I know that without either being in line of sight of them or checking in on them a couple times a day, there will be hours upon hours of leisure screens and not outside time or exercise. In essence, I care more about how they spend their time, so by default, more looking after falls to me. I also invite them more on dog walks with me so that they get exercise, and I'm getting basically no alone time, which I think is tough for anyone, but especially for an introvert. It makes parenting harder. Also, with COVID, in general, my mental bandwidth feels fairly substantially reduced, and I'm lucky to be able to say that my workload hasn't changed. It's a good problem to have, but it feels like bad math. Same work, plus more kid care, minus brain capacity, minus restorative time, equals, well, to be honest, some days it feels like a real shit show. (laughs) No, (laughs) No, I'm not alone. 
I was totally looking for help on this. So today I am talking to Raquel Ellison. She's the co-host of the Breadwinners podcast and an executive coach. Raquel's an expert on work-life policy and practice, and I am so excited to hear her insights on how moms can free themselves from the extra burdens that they're facing in the pandemic. Raquel, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be. I like this is the negative year of the pandemic. I'm so happy to be able to talk. <laughs> yes. Is it, I mean, how does, it feel, how does it feel that I was like, well, let's talk about what sucks. Oh, I'm going to call Raquel. <laughs> that, that, you know, unfortunately, that, that seems about right as we look at like what what's happening with work life these days. But I do think that we there are some things to be happy and excited about here. Um, but it's hard to see that because we're really, because it's really a shit show, as you said, right now, we're all <laughs> trying to hang in there. Um, We've got good days and bad days. But I, what I want to know is from your perspective, what are some of the ways the pandemic has changed being a mom? I mean, first of all, we're not just, we're not just parents anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're, we're, at the same time, and you were alluding to this, at the same time, we're homemakers, we're stay-at-home parents, we're paid workers, we're, we're therapists who are kids who are dealing with this horrifying reality that we've never in our lives had to think about or endure, but we're trying to guide them through through the, the, the very confusing and, and terrifying time and, the, and answering the questions that, we, that they have about this, right? So we are, we are playing multiple different multiple roles, more so than I think we ever had. But, you know, we were already a generation. I know there's a couple different generations of of moms that are probably in your listener base. But as a mom of two kids, 10 and seven, moms, you know, my contemporaries and I, we do actually, you know, we're doing more, we're spending more time in the labor force than than other generations did, and more time on childcare. Right. Like that was already true before. So in 2016, we spent 25 hours a week on average on paid work, which is up from nine hours in 1965. But then we spent 14 more hours a week on childcare, which is up 10 hours a week in 1965. Right. So like, I think we are, we are, we have this pressure that we've always felt to be both perfect parent and perfect worker. And now we've just got 12 other jobs <laughs> on top of that. Talk so about bad math. Yeah, exactly. And, and to your point, you know, we, we have this, there's a concept of flow. Um, and you were talking about really having this, this limited bandwidth to do these kind of deep thought projects, which you are, you know, privileged to be able to still have. And, you know, it's wonderful to be able to work in this day and age and have, have things to be working on. But where do we get the time to be focused and present and really get lost in a task to, and be as creative as we can be that we don't have that time anymore. We don't have the supports of the childcare services of schools, of camps. We don't have that anymore. And we are just trying to be all things to all people. I think moms and dads, but I, but I certainly think this is really hit moms very hard, this kind of feeling like we have to do, not only did we have to do what we were doing before and which was more than, than a previous generation did, but now we have to do four other jobs at the same time. Right. It's so true, especially what you say about being therapist. I hadn't really even factored that into the calculations, but it's so true because uh, I just don't feel 
sometimes we're having those actual deep discussions, right? And But sometimes it's just they ask me a question and I just want to let them know that I'm paying. I feel like they need to know that I'm accessible more than they used yeah. to. So yeah, even if we're not like doing a deep dive on something, there's like kind of that role of therapist is sort of always often at the surface. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and it can be, it's not even just explaining what's going on as you're saying in smaller moments. I mean, there was a while that my kids didn't want to go outside. Mm-hmm. Not all. And uh, that's a, like, that's a milieu therapist. That's somebody who's <laughs> like really working with them on the spot. So, you know, I think there's just there's such a wide range of things that we're facing right now. And it's, it's kind of unreal. Right. Well, what hasn't changed? Is there anything, is there more consistency here than maybe we're seeing because we're feeling, you know, the overwhelm or what, what's your take on that? So I think what hasn't changed is, is the reality that I think, if, if anything, this pandemic has been able to expose even more starkly that we had a systemic problem facing us as working parents before, right? Like we. We didn't, you know, schools go, we work from nine to five if we're lucky or, and we, and our schools go from eight to two thirty, right? <laughs> we, have, we have like childcare is, is an insanely expensive proposition in most of the country. It's much more expensive than it's ever been. All of these things that we've kind of been piecing together are sort of exposed for what they are, which is just like, it really is this band-aid that we've been able to cobble together our work and life, right? That piece um, hasn't changed. I think if anything, we're just seeing it for what it is. Like we don't have these support systems mm-hmm. and it's all been kind of revealed to us. So we we can see, you know, without these different pieces while we're doing, you know, multiple jobs at once, I think we, it hasn't changed. We were doing that before. We're We're doing it. We're still doing it. I think what's really interesting is, is that we're seeing what this pattern is for, you know, we're seeing it very clearly now. Right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Okay. So, I mean, this is what I was talking about in my intro. Like we have to acknowledge what's not going well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I also want to ask you because I just can't help myself because there's always good and bad in everything. Uh, Is there any good news here? Absolutely. So one of the things that really excites me as, as someone who's worked on work life for over a decade and who's advised on flexible policy and parental leave policy, we as a society, as a culture, are starting to understand how to how to integrate work and life in a way that we never have in the past. Mm. We're seeing them as inextricably linked now. We had a culture, you know, there was a there was an idea of, you know, the ideal worker. So we had someone who would go in and give their all to work and leave home at home and somehow figure out a way to get all of their home stuff done without talking about it with people mm-hmm. in the office, right? It was like, we separate as best we can. We separate whether it's with a commute or just compartmentalize our work and life, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're in a situation where almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody, there's been a lot of people working. Those of us who are working are working remotely. And so it's this equalizer, right? Of all of us sort of understanding, we're all having the same experience in the sense that we're all learning how to work together while we're not together. And it's it's changing the culture of the workforce. So we, you know, we're not gonna all jump back to our desks in a month, those of us who work in offices. 
it's going to be a new a new reality for all of us. And I think that's great. I think that's great for us as uh, as working parents. I think you know one of the things that I've seen with clients and with colleagues is the you'll see like a cat walking by in a in a Zoom call or you'll see a kid like a kid will come over and pull on a parent's sleeve and say can you make me a snack in the middle of a Zoom call. And we are no longer I think I think you know about 6 months ago there were certainly workplaces where that would just be absolutely unacceptable and horribly embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But now we're in a time where that that's just the reality. We're all accepting that we are vulnerable that we are in this kind of imperfect reality and that i think is going to continue i don't think we're going to go back and fully compartmentalize again and that has never compartmentalizing and separating work and life has never worked right. in the it has never worked for working families truly so i think it's i think that's going to be fantastic um i think also you know one of the things that we're seeing is that by exposing, as I was saying, like the failures of the system, like we're really, we're lacking the support. There are companies who are saying, we're, we're really getting this. You know, we're really understanding that parents need more support in time. So Microsoft, which had already put paid leave, great paid leave, paid parental leave policies in place. They just added, they gave paid parental leave for all of their parents. All the parents on staff at Microsoft. So there are companies who are seeing, you know, our if we want our employees to be happy and healthy and not burned out, burnt out, we have to offer these extra supports. And honestly, however we get the support right. is you know, it's great. I'm I'm really, really happy about that. So I think that's fantastic news for us. It's a good place to to start. Absolutely. It's well, it's also, you know, it helps with like just putting into perspective, we're going through this, but we're going to get something better on the other side, which is really Absolutely. helpful. So for Absolutely. the for the parents listening out there, do you have like a quick takeaway for us, whether that's the mom who's like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do this or, you know, just something so, that we can put in our back pocket and start to use. So I have four kind of basic ideas that I would suggest. And I, I, and I will say, you know, I, I know a lot about work-life integration and, and this field, but it, it's so hard to do, to, to really take care of ourselves at this time. I think it's like an impossible proposition. So, so I want to encourage people, number one, to just let it go. Like as Elsa says, right? Like just, <laughs> just let the expectations go. I think one of the things that, that has been so challenging for us is that, you know, while we had this imperfect system that we were piecing together with Band-Aids, we were pretending on social media um, often, like there's a lot of fake booking. There's a lot of like, look at this, like, you know, everything's perfect. I'm managing this perfectly. And I think there's a lot of kind of jealousy and posturing that sometimes people do. It's time to just put that aside, right? Like to stop. I like one of the things that I'm struggling with this wonderful person who I love, who is doing amazing work for the world. And I'm so grateful. She also has been able to bake something literally every day. <laughs> like every day, it looks like she's baking a new something and it's perfect. And at first I was like, why am I reacting to this person's post this way? <laughs> but I think it's, you know, it's important to say like, you know, everybody's got their own reality and try not to compare yourself to others. Try not to worry about your, you know, your standards and are they matching up to other people's standards? We're all facing a very unique situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say second of all, see the, there are many challenges here, as you said, right? Like there's, this is a shit show as I'm repeating, <laughs> but 
there are opportunities to challenge ourselves in positive ways. I think there's inspiration to be found in desperation. So, you know, I think when, if even if you're, you know, walking the dog around the block or you're taking a shower and you have like a really interesting creative idea, let yourself go there because it's, we think that in these times of, of just of crisis, that it's really hard to, you know, generate anything new and to, to kind of invest in, in new and exciting visions or ideas for where we want to go. And I, I would challenge that. I think this is actually a great time to do that because kind of like all bets are off, like all the plans that we had, you know, everything has changed so drastically. So, so give yourself a permission to think, you know, outside the box. I think another piece is to your point about kind of the vision of labor at home. If you have a partner at home, who you are working with, really think about how to be intentional about how you're dividing up housework, childcare, all of that stuff. Try to think about maybe we would do it differently. So maybe, you know, maybe you're trading off more on the homeschooling front, or maybe, you know, one of you takes turns making dinners one week and the other one doesn't. But try to play around with those and make sure that it's fitting correctly for your household, right? Whatever you're doing, like really take time to sort of experiment and adjust. And the last thing that I'll say is for introverts or extroverts, one of the biggest challenges here is that we are so isolated, mm-hmm. right? And and we need even if we think we're we're, you know, we're good in isolation and it's a comfortable place, at some point all of us introverts and extroverts hit a limit where it's just really not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would encourage people to look for opportunities to to connect with others and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like a dance class or like a you know a high pressure zoom call i went to a shiva online mm. so a work friend colleague of mine her her mom passed away and and i was on the shiva call and there were 95 people talking about this one person's life mm. and how impactful she had been and just this like sharing of stories though even though i i really wasn't as connected to this person's mom as all of these people on the call, there was just something so beautiful about feeling connected to this group of people for that one hour, mm-hmm. right? So so just whatever opportunities you can find to connect, it's not, you know, spend the time on it. It's important. I <laughs> so I would say, let it go. See opportunities with the challenges of, of the pandemic. Think about redividing, dividing your work at home and connect with others. That's what I would, that's my takeaway. Awesome. Thank you so much, Raquel. So for the, fo- sure. for the folks who want to know more about how to connect with you, where can they go? Where do they find you? You could go to my website, which is R-A-C-H-A-E-L, Ellison, E-L-L-I-S-O-N.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can learn more about the kind of work that I do. And you should listen to, subscribe to my podcast, thebreadwinnerspodcast.com is where you find us online, at breadwinnerspod. And you can find me online also, uh, Reworking Parent on Twitter. So at Brett Pod or Reworking Parent on Twitter. Looking forward to connecting. Hi, it's Kate here with your tiny assignment for the day. Something that I loved that Raquel reminded us to do is to let things go, to cut ourselves some slack. You know, when we're trying to do more than we ever have. So in addition to working and taking care of kids. We're also running a homeschool and being a therapist. 
you know, we're just going to have to let some things go. We, we just don't have a choice. Otherwise, we're going to be like Elastigirl in The Incredibles and get stretched out in a lot of different directions. And we're not made of elastic. We have a lot of versatility and resilience, but we don't need to kill ourselves here. You can not clean the bathroom or what have you. But on a more practical level, when I was reading all the articles that were talking about how moms are really having it rough right now, something that I heard a a few people say is that they actually made a list of everything that they were doing so that they could have a frank conversation with their partner of saying like, look, this is what needs to happen. This is what I'm doing. This is what I have really truly the bandwidth to do. And let's talk about how the rest of this stuff is going to get done. A lot of times partners don't realize everything that you do. Women really are good at multitasking. We can keep a lot of stuff in our brain and make it look easy. And so what we need to do to help kind of right the scales there is be more transparent about how much we have going on and not waiting until we're so stretched that we're ready to snap, you know? So think about making a list and if whether or not the list works for you or is something that you decide to commit time to doing, also just get this into your head. It's okay to let some stuff slide. If you need help quieting your nervous system in the midst of all that's happening, I pulled all the tips from my 21-day Calm the F Down Challenge into a pretty mini ebook. You can go back and listen to the episodes because I spent three weeks talking about the things that you can do to calm the F down. It was They were at the end of April and the beginning of May. So you can always go back and listen to those episodes. But I thought the PDF would be really nice that you could print out and just always have at your fingertips something that you could do in the moments when you're feeling really stretched. To get that ebook, go to BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and enter your email address so I'll know where to send it. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N, or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you.